But as we move into the Lord's Supper, I simply want to bring a very uh, brief devotional. Brief, but I trust uh, very meaningful. And you can see uh, simply entitled, The Blood Sanctifies the Cross So the Cross Can Sanctify the Worshiper. You know, I think it's so important when we come to the Lord's Supper, of course, we know that this is a time where we are to remember. Uh, that's the primary command that's given in relationship to this ordinance. And we're to remember what? We're to remember Jesus. We're to remember who He is. Uh, we're to remember what He accomplished for us through His death on the cross as He suffered, bled, and died there uh, to cancel out our sin debt, uh, to extend to us the gift of forgiveness, and to reconcile us to God so that we could become sharers, partakers in His life, uh, not only abundant life now, but eternal life. But I think it's also very important as we come to the Lord's table that we not lose sight of the fact that we're to fellowship with Christ in His cross. And what I mean by that is uh, the cross is not only the place where Jesus died for our sins. It should also be that place where we die to self, uh, to live for Him. And uh, look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I just want to focus just a few moments on this verse, and you'll see it on the uh, overhead. Uh, the Apostle Paul writing, of course, and he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. And let's just stop right there. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God. What Paul is doing there, he is remembering. He is reflecting on everything that he has shared in the first 11 chapters in the book of Romans that has focused on the person and the work of Jesus Christ and how we have become justified through his death, our guilt removed with a right standing before God. And as a, at the basis of that justification, now to experience sanctifying, sanctifying power of God through the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. And so he says, as you reflect on who he is, as you reflect on what he did for you and all that you have because of Jesus, he says, I want to make this appeal. And what's the appeal? It's very, very simple. To present what? Your bodies as a living sacrifice. Paul says, as you come to the Lord's table and as you remember Jesus who died for you, don't also forget that you're to live for him, that his death is worthy of the surrender of all that you are and all that you uh, possess. It's fascinating that word uh, present in the Greek New Testament uh, was a word that was used of a priest laying down the sacrifice on the altar. Uh, surrendering that sacrifice to God, to be consecrated uh, to God, to be fully His. And so God says in the same way, as you remember this morning who Jesus is, what He did for you, you're to come to this table. You're to come to that same cross where Jesus laid down His life, and you're to surrender your life. You're to lay down your life with that attitude, what? Not my will, but what? Thine be done. Because that's the heart of the cross, the heart of of the cross. And you're to give every aspect of your life, right? That body includes what? Your head. And when you think of your head, you think of what? First, your mind. And so as you surrender 
your life to God. You want to surrender your mind to God, asking God to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And also what? Your eyes, that you'll commit your eyes to look on that which is pure, your ears, uh, to use it in a proper way to be in fellowship with your fellow men, and to your tongue not to be a hurtful instrument, but a helpful instrument to encourage others. And then, of course, you want to commit that heart to God, your affections and your allegiance. And we could just go through every aspect of your body. Nothing's to be withheld uh, from Him. But notice that next phrase, and this is where I just want to focus in this little devotional for a moment, holy and acceptable to God. I'm to come to the cross of Jesus, and I'm to lay my life down in total surrender to Him, and that sacrifice, that surrender is to be holy and acceptable. Now, that's where I think we get hung up sometimes, because we think, well, wait a minute. I can understand how Christ's sacrifice on the cross was holy and acceptable. This was the sinless uh, Son of God who bore our sin, that we might know His righteousness. But I have to acknowledge that although I might have good intentions, and I have a heart that desires God, that hungers after God as we just sang and we desire to be filled, yet we know we're still struggling. We're still struggling with our thought life. We're still struggling with our speech. Uh, we're still struggling with the affections of our heart, with our allegiance. So how can that be a holy and acceptable sacrifice? And I want to show you something very, very pre precious, uh, a verse out of the Old Testament. Look here at uh, Exodus chapter 29, verse 37. This is referring to the altar in the Old Testament tabernacle. Now, most of you are knowledgeable enough with your biblical understanding to know that the Old Testament tabernacle was what? A picture of Jesus Christ. Every aspect of that tabernacle, every aspect of the worship in the tabernacle pointed us to Jesus and the work that He would do on Calvary's cross. And of course, the altar is a picture of what? The cross. That would be uh, its type. A matter of fact, do you know what the Hebrew word altar means? It literally means the place of putting to death. And it was there on the altar that they would place their uh, sin offerings. They would place their uh, sacrifices uh, to atone for their sin. As in faith, they looked forward to the coming Messiah uh, to secure a right relationship with God. While we look back in faith to what Christ accomplished for us. But notice this verse. It says, seven days you shall make atonement for the altar and consecrate it. In other words, God set down a procedure that the priest would go through to consecrate that altar, that place of putting to death. So it would be set aside, sanctified exclusively to accomplish God's purposes. And if you would read further there, you would discover exactly what was to take place during those seven days as the blood would be sprinkled there upon the altar. And then notice, once this was accomplished, what, what it says, and the altar shall be, what's that next phrase? Most holy. Now, where have you heard that phrase before? There's only one other place in the tabernacle that is given that designation. Do you know where? Right, the holy of holies, that innermost place where God dwelt Himself. 
And the scripture tells us that as a result of this atoning work of the priest at the altar, that the altar then was sanctified and it became most holy. It became as holy as that inner place uh, in that sanctuary. And then notice it says, whatever touches the altar shall what? Become holy. Whatever touches the altar shall become holy. So do you see the picture? Here's this altar, which is a picture of the cross that's set aside, consecrated by blood so that whenever that offering is placed on the altar, it touches it, it becomes what? Holy. It becomes acceptable to God where he can receive it and accept it as an atoning sacrifice, as an offering for the people. Now, fast forward to the cross, and it helps us grasp what happened there. When Jesus died on the cross, that place of putting to death, that instrument of execution, his blood, which signifies what? His death, the finished work of Christ that removed our sin to reconcile us to God. It says that blood, what? It sanctified the cross. It set the cross apart to be a special instrument in the hands of God. Where once it that was an uh, instrument of execution, now it becomes an instrument of blessing as a result of Christ's death and that blood that was shed there. And then God says, as a result of his death on that cross, his atoning work on that cross, setting that cross, he has now made it an altar where we come and we lay down our lives. And as we lay down our lives on the altar of the cross, we become what? Holy acceptable to God, even in the midst of our struggles, even in the midst of our frailties and our weaknesses. So I just want to encourage you this morning, as we come to remember Jesus, who He is, what He did for us, as we come to glory in the cross and what it accomplished for us, realize God wants us to fellowship with Christ in the cross, which means We not only glory in the cross as that place where Jesus died, but we're also to glory in that cross where we too must die, where we too must lay down our lives in total and absolute surrender to Him. With that spirit, what? Not my will, but thine be done. Where God's will is supreme in every area of our lives as we submit to Him, and realizing that as we lay down our lives on that altar, yes, we're still sinful. Yes, we're still struggling. Yes, we have weaknesses and failings, but as we lay down our lives on that altar of the cross, whatever touches it becomes what? Holy. And God accepts our surrender. He accepts our our offering, and He imparts His life and His empowerment to us for to walk in His pleasure. And then if you go back to Romans 12 and 1, uh, verse uh, chapter 12 verse notice the very end of that verse says which is your what spiritual worship this is how we worship him you don't worship him merely by singing songs As a matter of fact singing those songs mean absolutely nothing to him if it does not come from our heart and if it does not come from a heart that is fully surrendered to him an individual that's presented their bodies as a living sacrifice to God that, have, that has come to that cross to lay down their lives there to be made holy by that cross. So again, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning, as we remember, yes, we want to thank God for who Jesus is. We want to thank God for what He accomplished for us. But may that motivate us this morning 
as we participate in the Lord's Supper, say, I too must come to the cross. I must fellowship with Christ there in that same spirit of surrender, saying, not my will, but thine be done, and lay my entire body on that cross for the one who died for me, that I might now live for him, knowing that as I lay my life on that cross, that whatever touches it is made holy and acceptable to God, and it goes up to him as a pleasing sacrifice. Amen. Father, Minister to our hearts now as we participate in the Lord's Supper. And Father, we do thank you that as we come to this table, it's a time to remember, and we do remember. We do reflect on who Jesus is and what he accomplished for us. And Lord, I pray that this morning that that will motivate us to also come to the cross to lay down our lives there and be presented, uh, body and all, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you, not on the basis of our efforts or intentions, but on the basis of the power of the cross that has been sanctified uh, to make us holy, and that we would do so as an act of worship uh, because we love you supremely. For it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Of course, we're told on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, that he first took the bread. And after he had given thanks, we're told that he broke the bread, and he said, this is my body given for you. Do this, what? In remembrance of me. And then we're told after the supper, he took the cup, uh, which uh, was a symbol of his blood that he would shed on that cross, that blood that would sanctify the cross for us so that we could come in faith, so that we could come in trust and surrender, uh, believing that he died for us uh, to have our sins forgiven, but also a place where we could live for him as we surrender our lives there. And he said, this is that uh, cup of the new covenant, uh, that blood that was shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then let's also not neglect to forget that as we come to this Lord's table, we not only look back and remember, we realize as we come to this table that what? He's here. He's the host of this table. And so we fellowship with Him. We worship a living, a risen Savior who can quench our thirst, that can fill our hungry souls. But you come to Jesus only through what? The cross. And so it demands that we come out of love for Him as an act of worship, again, to lay down our lives on that altar of the cross, knowing that as we do, that that blood, that power, that blood has sanctified the cross to make us holy, acceptable sacrifices that God receives. So as we partake, let's celebrate with, with great joy. As we come to uh, partake of the bread, remember, this bread represents His what? His body. His body that was laid down on a cross. And on that cross, His body bore your sin, bore my sin. He who knew no sin 
became sin. That we might be made what? The righteousness of God in Him. That's why in those moments on the cross, God the Father treated His beloved Son just like He had lived your sinful life. That's why on those moments on the cross, the full fury of God's wrath was poured out on His beloved Son. Because in that moment, He was there as your substitute, taking your place, taking the penalty that you deserved. And only because of that do we know forgiveness this morning. Amen? And again, if He was willing to go to the cross and lay down His body there, should we not be willing to also come to that cross that has been sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ as an altar? And should we not there lay down our bodies as we're commanded in Romans 12 to present your bodies a what? Living sacrifice. As I remember the one who died for me Now in appreciation, out of love, as an act of worship, I'm to live for Him. And so would you just take just a few moments right now before we partake of the bread, just in the silence of your heart. Let me just allow everyone to bow. Just take a few moments to just love Him, to thank Him for bearing your sins on that cross. And then also I want to give you the opportunity to come to the cross in a true spiritual sense this morning and say, Lord, this morning, because you laid down your body to die for me, I want to lay down my body on that cross to live for you. And so I give you all that I am and all that I possess. And then as you continue to rejoice, as you continue to love him, as you continue to Come to him in that spirit of surrender. Would you now take and eat? And then, of course, as we already mentioned, we know the second element is the cup, which represents his blood. He used the word, the blood of the new covenant. And I've shared this many times at communion, but I think it always bears repeating in the New Testament that thought covenant may be one of the easier ways for us to understand that, and it's, it's a very deep, uh, very meaningful concept uh, that secures our relationship with Him. But in another sense, it, it truly uh, is like saying the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. And in His last will and testament, He guaranteed three things to those that would come to Him in the obedience of faith. He said, the first, He said, I will pardon their sin. I'll remember their sin no more. He said, the second promise is, I'm going to take out that hard heart, and I'm going to give them a new heart, a heart that will hunger after me, a heart that will thirst for me, a heart that will desire me, a heart that will long to follow me. 
And then the third promise he said was their bodies will now become my temple and I will reside in them through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as we drink this morning, that's what we're rejoicing. We're rejoicing not only in the fact that this blood that was shed is pardoned our sin, but yes, this blood has also secured for us a new heart that loves and hungers God, and not only has secured for us a new heart, but a God who what dwells inside that heart to empower us to live for Him, to empower us to do what we could never do apart from Him. Amen? So, as we drink, rejoice, celebrate, you may drink.